Hallelujah. We are back, baby. We are back. It is so nice to be back on the digital airwaves with you guys. My name is Waldo. Welcome to the Regulators Podcast. For those of my dear, dear friends out there in the listening community that have been wondering where the fuck I have been, um, needed a little bit of a break. You know, we, we do this... 24 7 365 and i love it and it's great but needed some me time needed a little bit uh some time away so actually went to spain ran with the bulls it was fucking legendary we'll have to talk about that some other time uh but been doing some fun things this summer but now it's time to get back to football so we've got the hall of fame game literally tomorrow football is fucking back And, you know, before we started getting into all the preseason things and uh, talking about some fantasy things, which was my main topic, originally I was going to talk about a bunch of fantasy football things, but uh, threw out the rundown because news happens at a very fast pace. So there is a lot that we are going to get into, and hopefully that's a small, small reward for the time that I've been away and uh, hopefully we can have a great show and, you know, fucking do what we came here to do. So, let's get right into it. I know you want to talk about Deshaun. We will. We'll talk about Deshaun. We're going to talk about some other shit, too. But, let's just catch up on some things that I didn't get the chance to talk about while I was away. So, First and foremost, of course, everybody saw the video of A.J. Dillon getting yanked by the police um, when he was at a soccer match. For those of you who did not see it, basically there was a rain delay during a soccer match. A.J. Dillon was there. He thought that he would get the crowd all hyped up and just kind of try to keep people entertained. So he talked to a couple security guards and they kind of helped him down from where he was sitting in the stands. Well, some other security guard slash police officer uh, did not apparently see that he was let down or know who he was or what was going on. So he immediately came and got involved and AJ was trying to explain himself and then he went to like try to go back up in the stands and uh, the officer kind of yanked him around and you know, A.J. Dillon said after the fact, listen, he was doing his job. He didn't see what was going on. It was what it was. I'm very thankful for the police that come out and do what they do and, and stuff like that. Um, but it was a, it was an interesting just little thing. And it reminded me of a, of a story, something that happened to me when I was working in Miami once. Um, because people, I think the thing for me was, uh, I think it was AJ Hawk and, and some of the other guys from the Green Bay area who said, like, how do you work there or work at the stadium for, for an event and you don't know who AJ Dillon is? Like, how do you how do you not know who he is? And, you know, you're yanking him around like he's some idiot fan who just jumped down on onto the field. But to that point, this is where my story comes in. Uh, I was working a Dolphin game. 
I don't know what year it was, really doesn't fucking matter, but let's call it five, six years ago. And I'm on the field and there are two main tunnels, the large tunnels at either end of the Dolphins Stadium at Hard Rock, the East and the West Tunnels. And Bob Greasy, who you may know as the quarterback of the only perfect fucking team in NFL history, was standing basically just outside of the tunnel, off of the field, I don't know, maybe a few yards behind uh, where the end zone is, which if, if you've ever seen the way that end zone is set up, there's virtually no space. It's not like you come out of the tunnel, there's another 10 yards, and then there's the end zone. Like, that's it. The tunnel pretty much backs up right against uh, where the end zone is. So Bob Greasy is standing there, and some security person comes up and says, hey, you can't be here, man. Like, I don't know where you're supposed to be, but, you know, you can't be here. And Bob just kind of looks at him and, you know, goes to turn around and and go somewhere else. And somebody came and grabbed this security guy and was like, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. Like, like, you're you're fine. Like, like, do you not know who the fuck you're talking about? Like, that guy is the Miami Dolphins. Like, that guy can go wherever the fuck he wants. I mean, obviously, you know, I don't think Bob Greasy is going to run out on the field in the middle of a fucking play, but Bob Greasy can stand where the fuck Bob Greasy wants to stand. So similar to uh, A.J. Dillon, and uh, I'm sure it was just a miscommunication and some things that, that didn't go the way people would have planned, but you you would be surprised who you're talking to sometimes and who you're getting involved with. So, you know, just be patient with everybody and take the time to, oh, you know, what are you doing here? Can I help you? Anyways, so that was interesting. Now, obviously during the off season, now that training camp has officially started, a lot of things are happening transactionally, right? So you're seeing players get signed, maybe some guys that were holdout free agents or some people that are brought in to fill the need when an injury arises. You also see a lot of people deciding to retire uh, at this point, you know, and maybe some of them just waited right up until camp and then they're like, oh, my body just can't do it anymore. I, I can't do this. So you do see some retirements. But again, and we've talked about this on the show before, I don't understand these people who are 21, 22 years old and say, I have decided to retire from the NFL. Motherfucker, you're not retiring. You're quitting. You're put, and you're not even giving a two weeks notice, which is a little unprofessional. I'm, I'm just gonna say. But new rule: if you have not been allowed to legally drink beer for at least five years, you're not retiring. You're resigning. Like, listen, I, I get it. You know, the, you can say, may, may, maybe we'll come to a compromise. You can say you're retiring from football, right? Because Sure, you started in Pop Warner, you went through high school, et cetera, et cetera, but like, A, you never got paid for any of those things. So like, let's say I didn't go to college. Let's say I just played football through Pop Warner and Mighty Mites and all this shit or whatever. And, you know, I get to high school, I play really well, I get to college, and then my senior year of college, I go, that's it for me, I'm retiring. I was never paid professionally, so what am I retiring from? I'm I'm quitting. I'm not being part of the team anymore. If you were part of an adult dodgeball team and you were out there for 
couple years, and then you said, oh, I'm retiring, guys. Like, they'd be like, okay. Like, you're not retiring from the fucking dodgeball team. You're just, you're not going to play anymore. You're quitting. It's it's okay. It's okay to resign. It's okay to quit. But this idea that you're retiring from the NFL after, like, three snaps. Like, come on, man. Like, just fucking, you don't want to say you're a quitter. Like, it's okay. Like, may, maybe you're not meant for football. Maybe your your gift from God is something ten times better, and you're going to change the world and do awesome stuff. Like, that's cool. I'm not shading anybody who put all this work in, gets the NFL, and decides, you know what? Actually, I'm being called in a different way. Like, this isn't for me. Like, no shame in that. But I'm retiring today from the NFL after 13 long months in this profession. You're not retiring, man. Stop with that shit. So that's number one. The other thing that I really hoped we would get to talk about this week, but we don't get to, is Adrian Peterson versus Le'Veon Bell. So for those who don't know, there was a boxing match scheduled to take place last weekend between Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson. What? Yes, you heard me correctly. That's what was going to happen. The memes are going to be glorious. The gifts, like, it's it's just going to be fantastic. Like, we, we're really excited for it. I was, personally. Um, but the main event for that card, there was an issue with one of the fighters wasn't available. So now that whole event got postponed. And right now it's slated for sometime in September. We'll see if it happens. But that's something I really wanted to talk about. Um, in ironic news, a Jacksonville Jaguars kicker got released for kicking someone, so to speak. Um, so Andrew Mevis, their rookie kicker that they had there in Jacksonville, he was released last week after having had some really bad kicks, uh, in practice, including an errant kick that struck Dave Campo, who was a current broadcaster and former Cowboys coach, and... I don't know, maybe Dave Campo shouldn't have been talking shit. Maybe he was talking shit. I don't know that he was talking shit, but maybe maybe it was a really good kick. Maybe he hit exactly where the fuck he was trying to hit. You know, maybe it was like that scene from Remember the Titans, you know, hey boys, look at that fruitcake, you know, and then, oh, fruitcake had an arm, you know, so you never know. Maybe Mevis knew what he was doing, but either way, he is out for the Jaguars, and, um, you know, I just, I really wonder how Urban Meyer would have handled that situation. Maybe it, uh, maybe it would have went different. Maybe they would have just Rochambeau'd back and forth. Um, but I digress. Let's talk about some positive news. A lot of positive news for wide receivers these days. And that includes a Mr. Debo Samuel. So, three-year, $73.5 million extension... And what is interesting, too, is that a lot of talk has been had about does he want to be a running back, does he want to be used in that way, you know, beat up his body, etc. Within his contract, there are some small incentives for rushing yards, rushing touchdowns. So if he does continue to be used in that fashion, he can actually earn extra compensation. So as I mentioned, it's a damn good time to be a wide receiver. You see all these guys... DK, Tyreek, Devante, and now obviously Debo, people are getting paid. So it's a great time to be a wide receiver. It is not a great time uh, for a lot of people to be at training camp already. We just started hell like 
what, last week? I mean, training camp has barely started, and every day multiple players are being carted off. And I think it was, first one was uh, the Bucks center, Ryan Jensen, who's going to miss a ton of time, months. He'll be lucky if he comes back this season. Cowboys wide receiver James Washington was carted off. Tim Patrick was carted off, and last I heard it was a torn ACL. He's done for the season, as well as um, one of their running backs as well. So the Broncos actually had two players in the same practice tear their ACLs done for the year. So that's never good. Um, Irv Smith, I think, needs surgery on his thumb. Jordan Poyer had a hyperextended elbow. Like, just, I'm, I'm... Holding my breath every time I see a notification from Schefter or Rappaport at this point because I'm just like, please, for the love of God, can we get through training camp with 99.9% of these rosters healthy and intact? Like, that's that's why I hate training camp. I just, it's literally a month of you sitting there waiting, going, who's going to tear an ACL in practice? Who's going to have, as soon as you hear that someone went down with a non-contact injury and they're just laying on the ground motionless, you're like, oh, fuck, here we go. Like, and it's just, in every team, like, it's, and some teams worse than others. We remember what happened last year with the Ravens backfield alone. I mean, it was like a sniper was sitting there picking off running backs. It was just ridiculous. And San Francisco, a couple years back, I mean, my God, they had more people in the damn infirmary than they had on the actual roster that were healthy so it sucks man because all you really want to see is great football you want to see players at their peak at their best players that are healthy um just you know giving you one hell of a show but it just always sucks when you know and and you know we're not done we're not even close to done we're just getting started so between now and the first week of the season an nfl superstar is going to tear an ACL. They're going to, you know, I, I'm not wishing this on anybody, but it's it's just facts. It's it's what happens every single year. Somebody goes down early, even into preseason, you know, something happens. So, you know, I'm just hoping that as many as possible get through unscathed so we can have a hell of a 2022 uh, football season. But, you know... One of the things that I did enjoy while I was gone is conversing with a lot of you guys on Twitter. Uh, I'm always on top of Twitter. I'm always able to kind of keep in touch with you guys. So we've had some really great conversations. I always appreciate that. If you're not following us on Twitter, man, you're missing out. Like you don't need a bunch of followers. Just sign up for an account, follow us, join in the conversation. It's a whole lot of fun and it's none of the clickbait that you're getting in other places. And it's just honest conversations about all 32 teams. So some of these conversations I really enjoy. Other conversations... I'm just like, what? And for me, it's it's the audacity. You know, I've, I've heard a lot of women ask before, where do men find the audacity? And I don't know, but wherever it is that they're giving it out, they give it out to a lot of the dudes on Twitter. Like, that's that seems to be a haven for it. Um, because there's these people who get in these conversations with me that just don't really know how football works. And they think that it works a different way than it actually does. So like, for example, when they say, you know, oh, you need to pay like the running back, he should be your highest paid person. Like, 
okay, well then how come the 25 highest paid running backs in the NFL, only one of them has won a Super Bowl and he's like the 22nd highest paid? Uh, how come none of the things that you say actually line up to stats and facts? And one of the interesting ones that came up this week was, and I hear this a lot, I hear these comments about you know quarterbacks who barely throw for 250 yards a game. You just described practically every quarterback in the NFL. I'm going to, here, let, let me help you out. For those of you who think that, you know, the great quarterbacks are throwing for 320, 340 a game. So I'm going to give you a list of quarterbacks who have won the Super Bowl while averaging over 300 yards a game that season in NFL history. I'm going to read you the entire list. Okay, you ready? Here is the list. Eli Manning. That's it. That's the fucking list. The much maligned Eli Manning is the only fucking quarterback to ever average 300 yards or more in a season and win a fucking Super Bowl. Russell Wilson, Mr. Moonball himself, 222-yard average last year, which is 30 yards per game less than Jimmy G averaged last year. So please, take your fucking ignorance somewhere else. Like, I love discussions, and if you want to ask questions and you want to have dialogue and discourse, like, that's great. But if you're going to condescend to me, and if you're going to try to act like you know something that maybe you don't and you could learn, I'm, I'm going to fucking educate you. You're going to learn today. You're going to learn. So, if you want to learn, come to me. But... Speaking of ignorance, you know, something that happens often is we do see a lot of people running their mouth uh, all over Twitter, as is the nature of Twitter. But especially when it comes to hypotheticals and say things like, oh, if this team would have traded for Aaron Rodgers, they would win a Super Bowl, guaranteed. Like, I mean, first of all, you're speaking in absolutes. Second of all, you're oversimplifying one of the most complex team sports in existence and you're talking shit about things that you know can't happen because it didn't so technically you can't be proven wrong unless we go into the multiverse and start examining all these things as, as they happen in different dimensions but uh the other night someone said something to me about the miami dolphins should have given up as many picks as it took whatever it was to get to sean watson prior to the 2021 season and that way, Flores would still be there, and Miami is probably playing in a Super Bowl. So I have a lot of problems with that statement. First of all, you're wrong, so let's start there. Um, but let me ask a few questions, and we can kind of settle this. So if that's true, if Watson is the fix-all, right, how many games did Deshaun Watson win the last year that he played football? Does anybody know? Bueller? Anybody? Anybody? Four. Four fucking games. And I want to be very clear on this. Very clear. He played lights out. Deshaun Watson was the most elite player on the fucking football field in 2020. He played absurd, out of his mind. He's the most accurate passer in NFL history, and he's a beast of a quarterback. Yet they won four games. And when I'm discussing this, some neophyte jumps in and starts going at me in my mentions talking about well wins isn't a 
quarterback stat. Well, no shit, you obviously don't listen to this podcast or any of our content because if you did, you'd know that we 100% agree. Wins is not a quarterback stat, but it is a team stat. So then this person said, yeah, but, you know, in Watson's defense, his receiving core wasn't very good and they didn't have a run game or an offensive line. And I'm just like, how do you not realize you literally just described the 2021 Miami Dolphins? So stop acting like you were going to give Watson $230 million and you were going to resign Agba and you were going to make Xavier Howard happy and you were going to tag Gesicki and you were going to go get Tyreek Hill and Chase Edmonds and it goes on and on and on. Like none, none of that works. Like you can't. You can't just say, yeah, but if we had everything we have and then we add this and then this situation and that would be perfect. No, because you have to lose subtraction by addition. Like you, you, It doesn't work that way. That's not how salary cap works. That's not how trade assets work. That's not the, the amount of things you would have to give up. Like None of that works. So you're just living in this fictional world where you give up absolutely nothing. You have all the same players. You have all the same assets. You're just adding an elite fucking player who, you know, you didn't have to give up anything in this magical sandbox scenario and acting like then it's a guaranteed Super Bowl. Like, that's not how it works. So stop talking shit about hypotheticals that... It's one thing to talk about hypotheticals about shit that could happen, which is bad enough, but shit that you already know can't happen and is done, like... Fuck off, man. You're just you're either a troll or you're just ignorant as shit. So, not to mention, even if Brian Flores had stayed, which is what they were trying to argue for, a lot of others wouldn't. Gasecki would have been gone. There's a lot of players who did not like him, did not want to play for him. So just just stop. Long story short, stop arguing hypotheticals as a fix-all, especially when all these hypotheticals revolve around one person being a savior of a franchise that does not, at the time, look like a serious contender. Put Aaron Rodgers on the fucking Houston Texans. They're not winning shit. Do they win the division? Mm, probably not. Do they win the AFC? Fuck no. So, you know, and I love Aaron Rodgers. And Deshaun Watson, as a player, I'm going to be clear, as a player... He's a beast fucking quarterback. You put Tom Brady on like fucking, you know, people like to use that that Tom Brady excuse of, you know, well, Tom Brady went to the Bucks and they just won the Super Bowl right away. Did they or did they put Tom Brady on a team that had Mike Evans on a team that had, you know, he obviously brought Gronkowski with him on a team that had wide receivers that had pieces that had defensive pieces like did they do that? Or did they put him on a four-win team like... Remember, I, I think a lot of people forget. Jameis Winston, you know, we, we all like to talk shit because he threw 30 interceptions. He also threw 30 fucking touchdowns. Jameis Winston was the Bucks' own worst enemy. So, like, he's why they lost a lot of the games that they did. So they weren't as bad as being perceived. And if you want to use that same argument... So fine, let's look at, you know, Tom at least came from New England where he won a bunch of stuff. What about Matt Stafford? Matt Stafford has a losing record. To this day, he still has a losing record. Yet, he is a badass quarterback, and that's why the Rams went and got him, and they won a fucking Super Bowl. But if one guy is the fix-all, how come he never, excuse me, how come he never won shit in Detroit? 
It's a team fucking game, man. You know, I get it. Listen, a lot of people live in this blame mentality. It's not just football. It's outside in your personal lives, and you're like, man, I could really just get ahead if my boss wasn't screwing me. I could really just get ahead if this person didn't screw me over, if this person wasn't holding that, if I just got this new car, if I just got this, like, everything, like, yeah, sure, maybe some things are in your way, but you're, you're just creating this victim mindset and you're doing the same thing in football when you say, man, if we would have traded for this guy, we, w- we would already be there. It would already be done. Where's Dan Marino's fucking ring? Are you telling me that, like, he wasn't a good quarterback? Like, where, are, you know, like, it's just this, just, just stop, man. It is very hard to win in the NFL. You need a team, an entire team, and not just players. You need coaches. You need owners. You need people who understand the right things and the not right things, you know, kind of to do. So now that we're talking about that topic, let's talk about right and wrong and some punishments and some things that are go on, going on. So let's talk about Deshaun Watson and the six-game suspension. Most of you know that I have avoided the Deshaun Watson talk 99% of the time like the plague because nothing was happening, nothing was going on there was nothing to talk about so I'll talk about the football stuff but I'm not going to go all TMZ and just try to like beat the shit out of a story until there's something to talk about but now there is something to talk about so as of the time of this recording the NFL has yet to appeal the six game suspension that was handed down I have to anticipate that they are going to appeal it for a number of reasons but To me, what was most interesting about this entire situation was the judge's ruling, her statements, and everything that she said, right? Because we can all have opinions about who Deshaun Watson is as a person, about the acts he allegedly committed, and about whether or not he should be allowed to play football. That's fine. We are all entitled to that. But, The judge who ruled on this case was not entitled to opinions. The judge who ruled on this case was there to assess what is the NFL conduct policy, what does it mean to break the code of conduct policy, and if such policy is broken and not adhered to, what are the guidelines for punishments that may be doled out. And this judge is very smart. And a lot of the things she said, man, the more I read it and the more I read her statements and everything, I'm like, she kind of hit the nail on the head. So we may not agree that it should be six games. Some of us think a year at least. Some of us think, you know, fuck them, get them out of football. Like some of us think, oh, maybe it's too harsh. Maybe it's whatever. But there's a few things that we, we should be able to agree on, okay? One of the things that gets talked about all the time is the NFL's inconsistency with punishment. Everybody always says, you know, why did this person get two games, this person got a year? Why did this person get six games, this person... Like, there doesn't seem to be a lot of consistency. And due to the new collective bargaining agreement, based on the situation that presented itself, what she had to do was examine that policy and examine the disciplines that have been handed down before. And here's the conclusion that she came to. She said, first of all, when the NFL creates a policy that addresses a certain subject, 
for example, domestic violence. The NFL made a, a very big push in recent years to address domestic violence, and they said, okay, we are going to set a set of guidelines and a set of punishments. And the punishment was, you know, first offense, it's a minimum six game. You go to a second offense, you know, it can be up to a year and, and so on and so forth, right? These precedents were set and memos were sent out to everybody. Everybody was warned. Everybody knew what the rule change was. And this is, this is the punishment going forward, right? She said in this specific case, nothing has happened before with Deshaun Watson. He's never been warned about any kind of conduct that he's had. And the NFL did not put any type of new set of guidelines in. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because a lot of people have said, you know, all right, Calvin Ridley bets $1,500 on a game and he gets suspended indefinitely minimum a year. And they're like, Deshaun Watson is suspended six games. How does that make sense? And on the surface, you're right, because I was the first person to be like, how the fuck? Like, where does that make sense? Well, it makes sense because it's literally in the rule book. Because anything that has to do with gambling, you're automatically suspended and you can apply for reinstatement after one year. It's it's immediate. It's done. There's no, you don't need to go to arbitration. It's in the rule book. Everybody knows what the rule is. It's there. Now, you might be saying, okay, so why don't they just put in a rule for sexual assault or sexual misconduct or things like that? And you're right, they should. They absolutely should. And that was the judge's point. They don't. So all she can do is look back on previous incidents of players who had similar incidents, even if not as egregious as this, and see where the suspensions were. And what she found was a maximum of six games was the most that under any code of conduct, which remember, this is different than gambling. This is different than a lot of other parts of player discipline. Under the code of conduct policy, the most that anybody really has the ability to be suspended in her eyes, you know, based on precedents that have been set is six games. She also went further to say that the NFL is being reactionary, that they this isn't the first time the NFL is reactionary, just like they were with domestic violence, just like they are with other things. They see the public outcry. They see that people are upset and they say, oh, we should do something about it and basically pretend that we care. Those aren't her words. Those are my words, but she basically said it in a nicer way. Um, so, you know, she's laying out that the NFL just all of a sudden wants to impose a punishment that they have never imposed before on a player that has never been warned before. And as she added, he's been a model citizen, you know, in Houston and done a lot of things for the community and... Um, has never been in trouble in any sort of a way. He's a first-time offender. Now, I'm not saying that that clears him. I'm not saying, oh, you know, he's a good guy, like he did some charity work, so therefore he can do whatever he wants. I'm saying what, what the judge is saying is that 
you have a first-time offender. You have to think of it like anything else, like any other court. You have a first-time offender who's never been in trouble. Yes, you can look at the facts of the case and say, okay, I think this crossed a line. How far did it cross a line? But based on what the minimums and maximums are, think of it like sentencing minimums and maximums. Just like, you know, you have states where you have the 1020 life gun laws, right? If you use a gun in a crime, automatic 10 years. If you pull the trigger, it's 20 years. If you shoot somebody, you're getting life. So same thing. The NFL should not be so ambiguous. They should put in policies. You know, they're, they're, they may be, you know, afraid to put in these policies, but they need to have policies that say, hey, you know, just like they used to with uh, Josh Gordon. Look, you know, first time you get kicked out for weed, this is how long you're gone. Your second offense is this. Then you miss an entire year. Then it's indefinite suspension. Like, these are the type of things that happen. And so Josh Gordon, whether we agree or not that he should have missed all, all that time because he smoked weed, which I do not agree with, but, you know, whether you do or not, that was the policy. That's what it was. Same thing with the PED policies. Same thing with everything else. So her ruling was based on the framework that existed for breaches of code of conduct policy. And again, it's also difficult because if he had been charged with a violent crime, if he had been found guilty of a crime, if he, you know, if things like that had happened, then it would be a completely different case and there's different precedences that she could go on and everything else like that. Um, but that wasn't the case. You know, these were civil cases. Nobody was getting arrested and going to jail. That, that, wasn't, a, that wasn't what was happening. People were suing. These were civil lawsuits. And now 21 of 22 of them, including Ashley Solis, have been settled. There's only one hanging around. So we can disagree on whether Deshaun Watson should be playing football right now. Fair. We can disagree on whether the Browns' heart and mind was in the right place when they decided he should be the face of their franchise. Fair. We can disagree on whether or not, you know, the NFL should, you know, want him suspended for a lot more games or less games. But per the letter of the law, per the way that the NFL code of conduct policy is set up and the precedents that have been set by um, punishing people in the past, this is this is where it stands. It's six games. It is what it is. The NFL will appeal, and and I'm sure they're going to push for more, and maybe they'll try to get you know the full season. But I don't see it really going in their way because of a lot of the great points um, that the judge laid out, and and you can read the whole write up on everything you know she put out. So we will see. And I thought it was really interesting the night before the ruling was announced. When the NFLPA released a statement saying that it's been a very fair process, they've been involved um, 100%, and regardless of what she says, they're going to stand by it, and their client, you know, Deshaun Watson will as well, and they're not going to appeal, and they hope that the NFL will do the same. NFL didn't release that statement. You know, that was, that was the NFLPA, which makes me think, one, obviously the NFLPA knew something ahead of time, because otherwise that's really ballsy to do in case they say, you're suspended forever. Like, you know, that's a, that's a very ballsy thing to do. Um, 
but I, I I thought that was fucking interesting. But what's more interesting, what's more interesting was that when we turn on the TV today, when we put on NFL Network, nobody was talking about Deshaun Watson. Nobody was talking about sexual assault. You want to know why? Because presto changeo, the NFL and Roger Goodell said, Stephen Ross is a duty head. Everybody look over here. And now we got more shit to talk about. So, let's transition back to the Miami Dolphins. Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, is suspended through October 17th. The Miami Dolphins will lose a first-round draft pick in the 2023 NFL Draft and a third-round draft pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. Stephen Ross and the Dolphins are also fined $1.5 million, which, I mean, is a joke. Like, Stephen Ross donated $300 million to Michigan like he's a billionaire several times over. Like, that's that's pretty much a joke. Um, but they are now in deep shit and front and center on all the NFL Network news. And why you might be asking if you live under a rock is this happening it's because mr ross has been a bad boy um he not only not only tampered with sean payton before he retired and decided that he was going to do everything in his power to try and get sean payton to come be the coach of the miami dolphins but at the same time and this wasn't just years ago. This was like this offseason. At the same time, he was trying to get Tom Brady to come from the Buccaneers to the Miami Dolphins and offering him ownership in the Miami Dolphins. Now, this story gets wilder and wilder like the more we really get into it. And I have a shit ton of questions. So first things first, I'm not sure which parts of magical compensation um, Stephen Ross thought his team owned at the time, but let's imagine that you have this grand plan where you're going to get Sean Payton and you're going to get Tom Brady. Cool. Awesome. So first of all, in order to get the Saints to release his rights, you're going to have to give up some draft compensation. One would think a minimum of a first round pick, right? For for Sean Payton to release his rights. Um you'd think, you know, there there'd be some heavy compensation there to get him released out of his contract and become a Miami Dolphin. Additionally, to get arguably one of the greatest football players of all time, Tom Brady, uh released from the Buccaneers who literally bought brought him there to win championships, like why would they want to let him go, especially at the peak of what he's doing? And you know, again, you're talking about right after he came off a Super Bowl and everything. And it's just like, okay, so what are you going to have to trade to get Tom Brady? We saw what it was for Russell Wilson. Uh, we saw what it was to get Deshaun Watson. What the fuck are you going to trade to get Tom Brady? So is this team like just made of picks where they're going to come up with five or six first-round draft picks and or a bunch of other compensation? Or are they thinking, well... You know, we can trade a first and Xavier Howard and maybe some mid-round compensation. Uh, we can trade, 
you know, a first and, you know, maybe we do a, a sign and trade with Gasecki, like, you know, and some some other players thrown in the mix. Like, like where, where are they seeing that they're going to magically pull this off? So again, let's assume that before the 2022 draft, before all of this starts up, you get Sean Payton, you get Tom Brady, which we'll come back to, like, because it's not possible. But let's say you did all this. In doing this, you've probably traded away pretty much your entire 2022 draft. This means you have no Tyree Kill. You have no, um, you know, probably Xavier Howard, because number one, you wouldn't have had the money to then ship things around and pay him to make him happy. B, you would have probably traded him as one of those assets uh, that I mentioned because he would be one of the biggest assets you have on your team. And then additionally, are you re-signing Agba? Are you, like all those things we talked about previously now becomes more complicated. And it just, where do you think that that specific team is going? But let's explore this one level further. So Jeff Darlington did an amazing piece where he talked about he had researched this previously and looked into the NFL rules and saw how everything worked as far as if you were to offer a player or coach a piece of ownership of the team. And the NFL rules state that if any player or coach be, wants to become any type of ownership in the National Football League, it has to be approved by all 32 owners. That means that the other 31 teams would have to vote and say, yes, Tom Brady can be a part owner of the Miami Dolphins and play for them, including the owners of the other AFC East teams, including the owners of the other AFC teams. Like, do you see where I'm going with this? Like, first of all, it's, it's hard to pass anything at league meetings and things like that, but you honestly believe that the AFC East is going to see Tom Brady coming in there and Robert Kraft, Woody Johnson, the Pegulas, they're going to go, yeah, you know what? Fuck it, I sign off on that. Let him be an owner and let him play and let him, you know, make our lives miserable. Like, why the fuck would you vote for that? So, in addition to the ridiculous amount of compensation that you would need for Brady and for Sean Payton and all the other things that you couldn't do, which, let's not forget that as of today, happy birthday, Tom. Tom Brady is 45 fucking years old. What's your long game? So obviously, because if you bring in Tom Brady to play, then obviously you're not telling Tua, well, sit again for another year, and then maybe it'll be your turn next year. Like, that's it. It's it's done. It's done with Tua at that point. So, okay, what? You can't exactly say, well, yeah, but next year we'll draft a young guy behind him at some point in the first round. Maybe we let, because I'm sure you traded away all your assets to get Sean Payton and Tom fucking Brady. Tom Brady's 45. I get it. He's playing at the best of his career. Like he's doing well. He's still 45 years old. And as much as we would like to believe that the man drinks virgin blood and has unicorn piss and shit like that, he is not going to play at 49 years old. Like, he's not going to be the first 50-year-old quarterback. You know, I actually, he wouldn't be the first. But, but since the merger, you know what I'm talking about. Like, he's not He's not going to be. So, you're going to give up all these fucking assets because you think that your team was in win-now mode and you were a quarterback away and et cetera, et cetera. Like, 
I can tell you that with Brian Flores, you obviously were not. Now, I do see, okay, if you bring in Sean Payton, more offensive-minded, like he can get a lot of things going there and, and be creative, much in the way that they hope McDaniel does as well. But that's that's a lot on a hope and a wish and a prayer and thinking that you're going to get 31 other owners to vote your fucking way. Like, it just it wouldn't happen. And that's what blows my mind with all of this is the incompetency to A, possibly not know the rules. You're a multi-billion dollar organization and you don't know that if you're offering him ownership in the team, which according to everything that came back today and everything that we read, it was found to be true that the Miami Dolphins did indeed offer that to Tom Brady, yet you didn't even know that that wasn't up to you. So how was that going to work? And then again, we go back to the compensation and everything else. But here's here's the kick in the teeth, right? So first of all, Wheezy said, be good or be good at it. And Mr. Ross, you are neither right now. Because I have defended Stephen Ross for the longest time for a lot of things that he does do well. And a lot of things that I think he's had good qualities. But you have now gone behind coaches back several times. So when you had Sperano... You went behind his back and you tried to get Harbaugh. That didn't work out. You had to give Sperano a bullshit extension because he was pissed that you went behind his back. Everybody knew about it. You didn't even try to hide it. And then you fired him anyway like a year later and it was what it was. You tried to get Sean Payton. Didn't work. You tried to get Brady. It didn't work. And in, in, in both cases, like you're tampering. You're, you're literally... So when Brian Flores says, yeah, I rocked up to his yacht, and he was like, oh, stick around, Brady's on his way, and he's like, nope, fuck you, I'm out. Like, now we're reading about all this stuff and being like, so that was true? And even Commissioner Goodell said that Flores should be commended for how he acted. The second part, we haven't even touched yet, but, you know, just in the alone, going out and trying to grab these other players and coaches that are under fucking contract and not get like it would be one thing if you landed sean payton and you landed tom brady it somehow magically worked out you pulled a bunch of draft picks that you don't have out of your ass and traded away maybe half your players as well to make it all work so that you could get everybody and you do that and the owners vote for you which they wouldn't but let's say they do and everything works out and then the league says hey you were tampering you're losing a draft pick that we'll have to take from 2029 because you traded the rest away and you're also, you know, getting suspended and blah, blah, blah. But then you're like, hey, I still pulled it off. I did it, right? Like, so, for example, with the Browns, sure, as it stands right now, they're going to take a lot of PR heat and Deshaun Watson's going to miss six games. But if next year, and don't laugh at this, but if next year the Browns win the fucking Super Bowl, then it paid off. Right? It's it it all worked out because they got their guy. They got him locked up for years. They know he's going to be there. I, I'm not ironically using the words locked up, I promise you, but that's the thing with Stephen Ross. He didn't he didn't even get his guys at any step of the way. He just got egg on his face. And then the worst part is now you have to look your current quarterback in the face. Your Kirk Cousins. Your Kirk Cousins is now Tua Tagovailoa who's going to come off the field every fucking week when there's a win and say, you like that. You like that. Because he's going to ball the fuck out 
And if it were me, I would then immediately ask for a trade. Ball the fuck out, ask for immediate trade, get fully guaranteed money like Kirk Cousins did. Like, because how? How do you, Stephen Ross, and none of, you know, there's rumors, there's a lot of shit. And I went to bat for you, Mr. Ross, because I, I know a lot of things about you. And, you know, there's a lot of things that I've been proud of the things you do and, and things like that. But I, I went to fucking bat for you. And you motherfucker, you lied to all of us. But you lied to your quarterback. You lied several times. Nah, Deshaun Watson? Oh, I don't know. You know, they made a call. There was, nah, you know, you know, I, I didn't get on the phone at like midnight and say, hey, can you settle all your cases by tomorrow? Like fucking, that didn't happen. You know, we didn't even, Deshaun, we were just, we were just poking around, you know. And then, oh, Tom Brady? No, come on, that sounds ridiculous. I'm the owner. He's going to be an owner. Like, like that's not, we like, that's not going to happen. Nah, man, you continue to go behind people's back and try to subvert them, whether it's your coaches, whether it's your players. And for me, once trust is lost, that's it. It's gone. It's done forever. So I hope Tua balls out. I hope the Dolphins fucking ball out. I hope they have a great year. But for me, if I were there, if I were with inside that organization and I had to trust Stephen Ross that he had my best interest in mind or that when he says something, when he says he's going to do something or not do something, that he means it, I would have little value in those fucking words. But that's just me. So, that being said, let's end on a fucking positive note, man. There's football and it's back and I'm so fucking excited to be back in this with you. If you guys missed our live space, uh, I think it was last Friday we did one. I jumped on another one during the week, but uh, some of them are recorded. You can find them on our page at Twitter. I mean, at Twitter. Listen to me. The drinks are porn heavy now. Um, at Regulators Pod on Twitter. You know I love the shit out of you guys. And you know what? We are revamping our Patreon. Uh, we're lowering the cost quite significantly. We're trying to get some more giveaways that we can do to kind of get you guys hyped up. But I want to hear from you. I want to hear what would make you be a Patreon in addition to the uh, private group chats, in addition to the private bets that we do during the season um, with our betting partners, in addition to the giveaways, everything else. Like, what can we do? How can we make you feel more exclusive and more part of the club of the things that we are doing here at Regulators podcast so hit us up on twitter let us know other than that i hope you fucking crush it this week if you have a goal set that fucking goal let's seize it if you don't have a goal think of one get one in mind it can be a little goal it can be getting out of bed and getting dressed today that's fine just start small start somewhere and let's fucking get this w so i love all you guys you know how it goes say it loud say it proud say it with your fucking chest i'm out